Okay, Podsters, this is it. This is your tipping point, your moment to take action or live with never knowing what could have been. We all have that thing that we know we are meant to do that scares us, that we're not sure we can do, and that we know we need a little help doing. My Do the Thing Fall Retreat is happening October 13th through 15th in where else? Cape Cod, in the tranquil seaside town of Chura, where I've hand-selected a beach house for nine like-minded women to get together and do the thing. You already know that there's a life waiting for you on the other side of this thing. And this powerful, intimate two-and-a-half-day workshop is exactly what you need. If you don't do it now, you probably never will. Don't live with regret. Do the thing. Click the link. Fill out the very brief application. Let's hop on a call because I want to make sure it's the right fit for you. Together, let's do the thing. Welcome to Unmute Yourself, the podcast. I'm Nancy Medoff, keynote speaker, best-selling author, executive coach, and equity evangelist who literally wrote the book on women in confidence. And I'm Beth Knauss, creative copywriter who works with female entrepreneurs who are done putting safe and general content out there and ready to walk the fine line between honoring their bold voices and perspectives and honoring their professionalism. We are on fire and on a mission to inspire and empower you. And who are we kidding? The world to speak up, stand out and get your seat at the table. If you're looking for straight talk and a weekly shot of confidence, you've landed in the right place. Beth and I met while collaborating on my number one bestseller, Unmute Yourself and Speak Up to Stand Out. We hit it off and we knew right away that we needed to keep these important conversations going so that women around the globe will speak up and stop building our own glass ceiling. So here we are coming at you weekly with a perfect blend of realistic strategies actionable tools and real life stories to bring these important and somewhat controversial ideas to life. Doing so with humor, kindness, and the occasional shenanigans. Get ready to feel empowered and inspired to speak up, to stand out, and to build your confidence toolkit. Note to men or women who are not working in a professional capacity, we see you too, and we promise you the conversations here will inspire you as well. So buckle up, folks, because here we go. And we are live. We That's sure giggling. Are. We are Beth, live. Beth is, Beth is giggling, and she can't get, get a hold of herself. So tell the posters why you're giggling, Beth. I think it's hilarious. Well, um, Nancy is on location uh, in Florida, and it's just really noisy over at our place. <laughs> Why is it noisy? It's noisy because Danny, who's trying very, very hard to be silent like a mouse, noise amplified. A little bit, a little bit. It's okay. He won't hear this. He listens, but he listens like he's like six months in our ears. So he'll catch it later. Oh, now he's opening the door and leaving. So that's good. So hello, Podsters. We, we're real here at Unmute Yourself, the podcast. You know, it's interesting because I was thinking about work-life blending, which you all know is a huge, huge thing for me as, and for Beth. And I was like, 
If this was six months ago, I would have said, no, Beth, I can't record. It's not good sound. I know my mic is horrible. This is the last week that will happen, I promise. And I know there's going to be noise in the background. We just can't. We just can't. It has to be perfect. And I'm like, you know what? Do you think people really care? I don't know. Do they? I don't know. I don't know. Pods, just tell us if you care. I don't think you do, but yeah. Okay. Also, so I'll tell you, I had the same thing yesterday. I had to record a quick video just to put out on social media. I do one every Monday. And I thought like you could only really see my head. Like I, I use loom when I do it and it, you know, I could, but then after when I went back to see the video, it got everything behind me and it was a real mess. And I was like, this is how I work. <laughs> Doing it anyway. I mean, I, people want to, I think people want to be real. People want to hear from real people. I know yep. sometimes I'm a little too real, but I'm working on that. Mm -hmm. Anywho. What are we talking about today, Beth? Oh, we are talking about bad bosses. Ooh. Dun, dun. So Beth and I are both hot on this. And this, it's funny. I was at a I was at this disrupt HR program a couple weeks ago. And you know, it's an, it's an HR program. So they had these stickers and buttons and stuff. And there was this big sticker and it said, bad bosses ruin lives. And I just kind of chuckled and I took a picture of it and I sent it to a, a former coworker of mine who I'm still very close with. And, you know, she sent me a note right back and just laughed. And I thought about it and, you know, it's kind of true. Like if you're working for a bad boss, it doesn't matter how smart they are, how talented they are, how gifted they are. If they don't know how to lead, it really leaves an impression on you. I mean, I'd say you could ruin your life if you let it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the key though, right? If you let it, you have to mm -hmm. you have to figure out what's the best strategy for you to handle it. And on the converse, converse, on the converse side or on the converse, um, maybe you're a bad boss depending on where you are and what's happening. And we're gonna get into that a little later because I was a bad boss for a very brief amount of time. Um, and it's my, my least proud moment. And I want to talk to you, Beth, and the posters about what I would do differently. Because no one wants to be a bad boss. No. So, anywho, that's what we got. So right. let's let it rip. What do you got? Let's let it rip. Well, you know, for me on my end of the things, it's more <laughs> about like, you know, I am my boss. And there are some days where I'm like, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I have to put this time in and I have to. And then I say to myself, uh, my boss would let me take this time or, you know, my boss is not hassling me about this. Or I don't know, even with my clients, like sometimes, you know, I feel this pressure because I know I have a deadline to get something finished. And I'm like, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I wait for clients often to get their content back to me, rightfully so, because they have 15 other things going on. If I'm a day late or it's the afternoon and not the morning, that's acceptable. It's acceptable. It's like you're inside my brain, which happens often because many times I'm like, I did not go out on my own and take that risk and make that leap and work this hard for me to be miserable when I'm, I'm the boss of me. So, right. so yes, you have, you have deadlines and you know, it's, it's wild. I've gotten better about this. And this is uh, since COVID about 
setting more realistic deadlines, but I still am very, very hard on myself. And to your point, would if I were working for someone else, would they have that very same expectation that it has to get done at five o'clock today? Because I've got they wouldn't, they wouldn't. So that's a that's a really really good yeah. So how do you catch yourself, or how do you check yourself before you wreck yourself? Yeah, I mean, I can just feel it, and I don't work productively when I'm in that situation where I'm like forcing myself to like do something that I'm like, I don't want to be doing this right now. Or, you know, like there are times when it's the strangest thing for me. I can be working on, you know, writing content for whoever and my brain just stops. It just shuts down and I can feel it. And I sense myself like standing in front of the computer for like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. And I'll be like, this is not productive. I am not getting Mm -hmm. anything done. Nobody wants one sentence that I'm going to write right now. I have to shut the laptop and walk away. Walk away and come back. Um, you know, my best work, right? And that's the whole thing yeah. with a, with a yeah. boss. I want them to realize when they're not doing their best work. Well, that's the thing is, and this applies for if you work for, this, this is all three scenarios. If you work for someone else, if you work for yourself or you have people working for you um, or with you, as I prefer to say, um, but reporting to you. Know when you work your best and know when your team works your best. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, uh, I was leading a fairly large team and somebody was onboarding someone else on my team. And I looked at the onboarding notes and it said, don't try to get, don't try to have a um, productive conversation with Nancy after 2.30 PM. And I was like, and I just kind of giggled. And I was like, and I said, so because we, you know, we, it was a great team. It was awesome. And I said, what, uh, so you, I didn't think anybody noticed that. And she's like, no, no, no. If we want to have a productive conversation, we get on with you in the morning. I get up at five by two, three, I'm toast, toast. Um, And to your point, when you're working for yourself, I do, I do my most creative work first thing in the morning because I know that's, that's when it's going to work. And unfortunately, sometimes I have clients who want me to do programs in the afternoon and I have to really psych myself up for it because it's just not when I'm at my best. So know when you work your best. That's great. That's great. And know when your team works their best, right? Yes. Right. Or your clients. Or your yeah. clients. Yeah. You know, I actually loved being a boss. I loved having employees way back when, when I had the hair salon. And, mm-hmm. at you know, at the height of my success, I had um, 10 employees. So 10 women, pretty much in their 20s. Okay, folks, this is a this is a lot, and not you know creatives. Ten creative women in their twenties, and um, and I was as well. In all fairness, and um, I just really used to try to look at each person and say, "What is this person motivated by?" You know, one be stroked. I had this one young woman that constantly needed to be encouraged and stroked. You could pay her five cents an hour. She didn't care. She just wanted you to tell her she was fabulous. Then I had somebody else who wanted ways to make extra money. So I would let her like manage the retail area and do the ordering for stuff, you know, things that I could give people to do that they felt validated with. And I'm not saying I was wonderful. boss. Um, Although I think that most of the people that worked for me would say I was, I was a good boss. I think you probably were a great boss. And wait a minute, you were in your twenties and you had 10 people. In your 20s? Yeah, like 22. 22 years old, 10 people working for her. I mean, 
baller status right there. That's what I say. You think you know someone. You think you know someone until you do a podcast with them. That's right. Uh, you, know, um, you know how I ended wow. up as that boss? Because I worked for two flipping lunatics in hair salons in Boston. And I like, I'm either changing my career mm-hmm. or I'm going to work for myself. And that's when it all started, folks, right there. That's amazing. That's, you know, it's interesting. I wonder, <laughs> I would love to do some research and I will on, um, you know, people are leaving the workforce, traditional workforce by the millions or about hundred thousands. And I wonder how much of it is about, you know, we know that with COVID and working from home, people, people's values are shifting, but I wonder how much of it is because they work for a lunatic. Yeah, I bet. Something to ponder. Yeah, and I wonder if there are different, like, do you have to deal with them in a different way? Because now you're not there physically, but there's this whole other online thing and email thing where passive aggressiveness can come in and we're constantly reading into people's emails and texts and stuff. That must be complicated also. So I'm glad you brought that up because I want to talk about that in a second because I led a remote team for 25 years. We were remote. So when everybody started going remote with um, the pandemic, and everybody was flipping out about how to work remote, not necessarily, you know, my kids are in the background, I have to homeschool my children, you know, all that stuff. That is legit, obviously. But people were like, you know, I'm, I, 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 how am I gonna lead a team remotely? And, and I remember, I'm like, what do you mean? I've been, I've been doing this for, tw- I did it for 20 years. So this actually turned into, I do a workshop on this. It's called How to Thrive in a Hybrid Environment. And it talks about human connection and, intentional rituals and stuff like that because you can't just pop into someone's office so how do you do the virtual pop-in um anyway that's the whole thing but what i wanted to talk about was you said um tapping into what motivates people and there's an exercise that i first participated in probably 20 years ago and i use it with every team building session i do and it's called the deal breaker and it's by a company called the real deal you're welcome and they're called deal breaker cards. So it's a deck of cards. Cool. And, and, oh, I have a prop. It's not these, but it's like these. It's like these. So it's a deck of cards. And on, on these, each one of these cards is a value. So it could be um, innovation, camaraderie, making a difference, making money, trust, all these different values. So as a team, everybody goes through everybody individually, but together goes through these cards and picks out their top five. And it's really difficult because it's a forced choice that there's a term in psychology about that, but you're forced to choose. Both of them are really important, but you have to choose one and that's a pretty big deal. Right. So they're like sweating it out and they're like, oh my God, this is so hard, I can't do this. And they do it. And then they report out on them, these are my top five. And then um, they're like, oh my God, that was so hard. And then as the facilitator, I say, okay, well now go down to three. And they have to go down to their top three and they're like, oh my God, I can't. And then eventually they go down to one. So this is what is your one deal breaker? And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this is the flip side of what you mentioned. This is what will demotivate someone instantly. This is so important to me that if this is absent in my workplace, I will leave. It's a deal breaker called a deal breaker for a reason. And for 20 years or so, 
I had the same one. I did it a few times and it was trust. It was always trust. Mm. And if there was not trust and you can interpret that however you want, trust amongst my team members, trust with my boss. For me, it was trust, trust with my boss, but um, I would leave. And in fact, when that was absent, I did leave. So for those of you that are listening that, that want to know more about this team building exercise, um, hit me up, shoot me a DM, or I'll put a link in the show notes. Again, you're welcome, The Real Deal. Because um, it's really, really powerful. I'm actually, I think I'm going to use it for a session I have coming up next week as well. It's a really great team builder and to understand what motivates your team. And one more example, and then I want to move on. Um, I remember I was doing this with a team, and it was a sales team. And one of the women said hers was making money, 100%. And, and some people were a little judgy about that. And I said, this is great. Now I know that she's not interested in teamwork. She's not interested in, mm-hmm. you know, this, that, or the other thing. It doesn't mean she's a jerk. It just means she is 100% motivated by money. And anything she does, that is what is going to be what drives her. Right. And um, it was. And I knew that. So I could lead her that way. So I knew how to, I knew how to motivate yeah. her. Yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful. Anywho, whew, that was a lot. Um, so what about when you're working for a bad boss? You know, one of the things that I wonder is, is it a bad boss and or are you not setting boundaries? Um, because, and Beth just gave me the thumbs up, everyone, because you're the boss of you. And I understand that if you're working for a lunatic, you need to adapt. I also know that your boundaries are your boundaries and no one can make you answer an email at midnight. No one can make you, you know, I had a boss that wanted me to lie about something to our big boss. And I said, no, I'm not lying. Like, what are you, are you insane? So um, what do you think about that, Beth? Yeah, I think that's true. And I think I think probably the tricky part, again, this isn't really my area of expertise, but I would imagine that when you start a job, if everything seems peachy, you're not right up front being like, these are my boundaries until maybe a few months in where you're like, what the heck is going on here? And then all of a sudden, or it seems all of a sudden, you have these boundaries. You have to walk in, I think, knowing your boundaries and being clear with them and not wavering on them, right? Which I think sometimes we do because, you know, we want to new people to like us and we want the boss to like us and think that we're doing a great job and everything else. And so we overperform right? And step on those boundaries. And then it's not, not that it's not fair because nobody should be a bad boss. How did you, how did you become a boss if you're a bad boss? That's the question. Uh, uh, Have you heard the term FUMU? FUMU? Yeah. F-U-M-U? No. All right. My corporate buddies are probably laughing. Um, Look it up. Look it up. It's a it's a corporate expression. It's a little inappropriate for um, a public podcast, but basically it means um, oftentimes in the past, not as much anymore, companies would promote people to get them out of the job. So it was F up, move up. Mm-hmm. And um, back in the day when I was there, when I was, you know, leading teams, we just kind of roll our eyes and be like, there's another FOMO. Like, how did that person get promoted? Uh, anyway, sorry, I stole your thunder. So yeah, right, right, right. Um, 
The other thing I would say was something about, oh, it was something about working for a bad boss. I forgot. Uh, oh, it was about boundaries. I think this is really important um, because I've been hearing this a lot. So you can say, let's use the email example because I think that's a good one. You can say, you can hold a declaration in town square and say, hear ye, hear ye, I am no longer responding to emails on weekends. Or you can simply not respond to emails on weekends. And I'm not saying that's gonna be a, a walk in the park. And also I'm saying the only way to do it is to do it and you don't have to declare it. And if you get 7,000 emails on a weekend and you don't answer them, and I, I, I do this with a lot of my coaching, the clients I work with one-on-one, -on -one, is try, just try not responding immediately. Just try and see what happens. Nine times out of 10, they're like, nothing happened. It's, it was fine. So I think that, um, I, I think that people are afraid to do it and you won't know, you won't know how firm you can set the boundary until you do it, until you set it. Right, right. And that, that's with yourself too, right? Yes, of course, absolutely. And it's not, Obviously, sometimes that's awkward and we don't want to do it and maybe it feels icky, but it's so much worse if you don't do it. And um, yeah, I, I think the whole thing is you have to know that maybe there's going to have to be confrontation, right? And this is such a big thing for people. And really, it's to me, confrontation is just about how are you communicating? Totally, how, totally agree. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know, my favorite thing is about the facts and feelings thing, like you know, are you getting your feelings hurt? Like maybe let's just push that aside and then deal with the facts of like, I can't do my best work when you are breathing down my neck that way. <laughs> you know, and maybe you don't say it exactly like that, but, you know, being able to factually say this would be better for me or when this is like this, my, my creativity is stifled or, you know, just letting somebody know this is my work style because, until you say it, why would you assume that somebody knows it? I ask. I asked during the interview process, or I used to ask during the interview process, tell me a little bit about how you work. What's your communication style? Right. And I was just coaching someone last week. I said, you can ask them, how do you resolve conflict among the team? Mm, right. Right. And, and if, you, if your hot button is communication, let's say again, it's emails on the weekends, and you're interviewing, you can ask, tell me about, um, tell me about, tell me about the team culture around personal time, or, you know, you can, tee, you can tee it up so that it sounds a little less, um, you know, about you, 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 you know, it, tell me a little bit about how the team communicates. Is it Slack? Is it Teams? Is it email? And what's the expectation around being available during non-working hours? That is a fair, legit question. Right. And if someone you're interviewing with has a strong reaction to that. Like, well, we work uh, there. The expectation is you will work during non-working hours. <laughs> the eyes wide open. You ask the question, you ask the question now rather than finding out after you've done the onboarding process and all of that. And that's something I wish I had done differently a few years ago. Right. And you, know, you have some, I'm looking at a list of things here and one of the things that are listed here is, you know, avoid discussing your boss with coworkers. Like, it's much better to just go to your boss and work on your relationship with your boss than to, you know, time or at the water cooler be like, 
can you believe that the boss said blah, blah, blah to me? And, you know, how, what am I supposed to do about this? And how do I handle this and whatever? Because, you know, you don't know if it's going to get repeated. You don't know what their opinion is of that situation. And maybe they've established their relationship with that boss. And they're like, put on your big girl panties and establish a relationship with the boss. I think there's two sides of that. I agree, right? I, and I think if, if, if someone that was working with me or for me had a problem with me, I would want them to come with, to me. I also think that there's value in bouncing the situation off one of your trusted advisor colleagues and saying, hey, am I, am I off base here? You know, and that's different than being like, bah, 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 bah. Um, you know, I need a reality check. I, I used to say this, am I, am I crazy or is she crazy? I mean, that's really like, am I, you know, do you think I have an unrealistic expectation? And, um, you know, just as a check and balance before you really take action, because maybe you do have an unrealistic expectation. I would hope that, you know, but maybe you do. Right. Somebody yeah. does. Either you or the boss. It's good to figure out who it is. Sure that. Right. Exactly. Um, and again, I say, you know, especially for the, for the, Podsters that are listening that are earlier in their career, absolutely, you have the right and you should, and you're doing yourself and the company a disservice if you don't ask these questions during the interview. Tell me how the team resolves conflict. Tell me about uh, work styles and collaboration. You know, tell me how the team supports each other. You know, what's a hot button in terms of communication? All those things, because you know, tell me what your growth strategy is or whatever the case is, you need to find out now. And so this is a good segue, if you're comfortable with it, Beth, to, um, to when I was a bad boss. And this is very difficult for me to talk about. And I really do. And I want to make sure that we talk about it because it, it's important. It was a great learning. Um, I worked for someone who was a lunatic and I thought I did my due diligence during the interview process. In retrospect, there were red flags everywhere. And in particular, red flags from friends and family members who said, mm, I'm not sure about this. And I disregarded it and did the thing anyway. So, and I didn't ask those questions about how does the team, you know, how do you embrace change and how, do, how does the team handle conflict, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I was working for a lunatic absolutely demanding um, 24 seven. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I almost got another phone because she used to text me in meetings and in the meeting and say, you should say this while we were in the meeting. I'm like, okay. So you want me to read the text, uh, change what I'm saying and then say what you want me to say anyway, all kinds of crazy stuff. And it really got to me and it, I was miserable, miserable, and I remember one day I sat on my bed and I cried and I said to Danny, I cannot do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were about to get married. There's a reason why I'm saying this. And I said, if you want to postpone the wedding until we can figure this out, let's postpone the wedding. I was ready to postpone my personal life and my wedding so that I could step out of this toxic, horrible situation and regroup. The reason I'm saying this is because it made me a bad boss. It made me do things. Uh, you know, I, I'm my own person, but I behaved in ways which were not true to who I was and were not authentic. 
and I felt like a fraud and I felt like I was disappointing everybody, most of all myself. And I heard some great advice. I was teaching at BU and I had someone come in and give some advice to my students. And they said, what do you do when, you, when, you're, when you're working for a bad boss and you're miserable? And he said, make a change before it changes you. And I thought that was great advice because this environment changed me. And I remember I got some feedback from the team and it wasn't bad feedback. Um, but at the same time, I was used to getting really positive feedback from my team. Like Nancy's the best. She motivates us. She's always there for us. She gives us so much support. And again, the feedback wasn't bad. I got the feedback and I resigned the next day. I said, this is not who I am. This is, I'm hearing from the team that, that these are need areas for me. They have never been need areas in the past. I'm done. I'm out. And, um, the person I was working for said, you know, this feedback isn't bad. And I said, the fact that you think that this feedback isn't bad or is acceptable further supports my, I said, this is not who I am. No. And I resigned. So for those of you that might be listening that um, I'm actually thinking about calling a couple people and apologizing for how I behaved. I really am. Some wow. of them, not all of them. Some of them deserved it, but some, some of them did not. So it's, um, it was not great. And it was a huge lesson. And I wish I, I wish I learned it earlier. And yeah. anyway, so if you are a bad boss, how do you reel yourself in, Beth? What do you think? I'm really mm. doing my nose. Well, I love that over at you. I mean, you make a change before it changes you, right? Right, of course. But how do you go about doing that? I mean, you probably can answer this question better than I can, I think. Just. Oh, I, you know, make a change. I left. I left, you know, I left right. and um, it was not a good time to be leaving my job. It was, and you know what it was? It was, I was compromising my authenticity and I, and I, I was not, I, I could physically could, I said, I cannot do this another day. I can't. It wasn't like I'm leaving or, you know, it was, it was, I, I, it was a very sad day. And I said, I cannot do this anymore. And I think what I could have done differently was ask better questions, ask better questions during the interview process, do a little more due diligence. If there's a yellow flag when you're interviewing, listen to it. Your instinct always knows. There were a couple of things as I was getting some background, I'm like, huh. And I, I blew it off and I shouldn't have, I, you know, I shouldn't have. And it was a learning and that's fine. But I mean, I would say, listen to your instincts, Yeah, listen to your instincts um, and start an exit strategy, right? Well, you did do that, Beth, when you said you became your own boss because you were working for lunatics, right? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, they were bad bosses, right? You weren't the bad boss. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm on a little ram, 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 rambling. Um, anything else in this topic? Well... So what we're suggesting is that if people are in this sort of situation, they should make a change, right? Um, and making a change doesn't mean you necessarily leave right, right. situation and see what can you be doing, A, by respecting your own boundaries, by communicating directly with your boss. Um, but sometimes, like you just said, sometimes it helps to look at why is someone behaving the way they're behaving? Do they have a boss that's driving them nuts, right? Just like the situation you were in. And sometimes that pressure is- That's a really good point. Right? Making them act that way, you know, and not that that makes any of it okay, 
But then at least you can say, oh, this person isn't like, you know, a jerk 24 seven. They have somebody else they're answering to. And maybe that person's answering to someone. And it's this hierarchy of dysfunctional leadership, right? It's so interesting because as you started saying that, I was thinking to myself, nope, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're working for a lunatic, you need to be a good boss. And then you said like me, and I'm like, oh my God, she's right. I was acting that way because I was working for a lunatic. And right. yes, and that goes back to, and my call to action is have a list of three high gain questions that you can ask during the interview, because that is a systemic culture problem, right? Yes. And you know, everybody's all warm and fuzzy during the interview process. I want specifics. How does the team address conflict? Tell me about a recent team conflict. How did you handle it? You, you know, you can ask these questions. Right. What's right. your leadership style like? Right. Uh, you know, these are great. You know, they're very reasonable questions. Okay. Well, that's we certainly, we were, you know, you know, oftentimes we start the podcast and I'm like, we're not going to have enough to talk about. And then we run out of, we run out of time. And then we, open the vault. we open the vault. We open the vault. So any news, any programs, Beth, anything for the podsters to listen to, sign up for, check the box? Um, so at the moment, I am having some new services and having my website done. So I'm not going to talk about that now, but that's coming up. And I do have a Facebook group. that. Uh, Tell us about it. So it's a Facebook group. It's called Better Content Right Now with the word right, W-R-I-T-E. And it's really for people who are looking for some support around writing their content or, you know, working with a writer. You know, how do you prepare for those sorts of things? And I definitely give information in that group that I'm not giving outside of the group. So it's exclusive it's exclusive to be in the better content right now group. So, awesome. yeah. I would add that for, for those of you who do not work for yourselves, but you're in a marketing or sales position, um, there's a lot of creative prompts. There's a lot of, um, it, 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 I would say it's for anybody who wants to increase the impact of their writing and their words, because it's, it's, it's not just for, for people who need copy. It's for, I would think it's for anybody. Yes. Am I right or am I right? You are right. And I'm going to be amping that group up a little bit in the next, you know, rest of the 2023. I'll be looking to how I can amp it up. Yeah, we are. Um, we're, we're coming up, man. We're, we're going to do some fun mid stuff stuff, I think, on the podcast. Um, okay, cool. So better content, right? W-I-T-E now. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, I, too, am redoing my website. That's interesting. Nice. Big news coming up for Unmute Yourself, the book. Coming up maybe at the next podcast. Um, and I have one two-month coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. I call it the Success Accelerator Program. Um, one spot left. So the application for that program is in the show notes. It's the same application for my one-on-one -on -one or my power hour or whatever the case may be. It's all, it's all the same same stuff. Um, and I think that's it. What is our next topic for next week? Do you want to tell them or should I? Oh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, tough love and being the business person you have to be in the office, whether people are happy about it or not. So not a bad boss, 
but your authentic boss self. Tough but fair. Tough, Tough but, but fair. Tough but fair. All right. All right. Hasta luego. See ya. Peace out. That's a wrap, Podsters. If you were thinking of someone as you were listening to this, share it. If you nodded along and even shouted out a couple of yes, leave us a review. Please, please, please. If you want to make sure you don't miss next week's episode, hit that follow button. And you can find us everywhere. And if you would like to learn more about us and exactly what we do, take a look in the show notes for our deets. See you next week. Podsters.